This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 26, 10 Reasons You Should Become an Airline Pilot with Len Costa from the Stuck Mike Avcast. Welcome to this episode. It's it's pretty exciting. You know, in episode 23, we discussed the 10 reasons why you should not become an airline pilot. If these 10 reasons are not negative and in some cases positive, then you're a prime candidate to become an airline pilot. And that was, of course, in episode 23. You can find that at Aviation Careers Podcast slash 23. But in this episode, we take a more positive stance and discuss the 10 reasons you should become an airline pilot. But before we begin, a quick word from our sponsor... This episode is brought to you by Audible. It's important to keep motivated and informed when you're pursuing a career. One of the best ways to increase your knowledge and keep motivated is to listen to books during your downtime, such as commuting to work, running on a treadmill, or walking through the park. One of the great things about Audible is that the first book is free, and there's no obligation to continue the subscription. You can cancel at any time and keep the book. Audible helps support this website, and I encourage you to visit Audible at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. There are many great books you can listen to, with one of my favorites being 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. I encourage you to discover your true potential and keep motivated by listening to audiobooks. Again, you can download your first book for free by clicking on the Audible icon or by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. Today we will discuss 10 reasons you should become an airline pilot. To help me with the list, I have an airline captain with me, a previous guest from episode 10, and the host of the Stuck Mike Avcast, Len Costa. Welcome back to Aviation Careers Podcast, Len. Thanks for having me back, Carl. Exciting to be uh, be here again. Yeah, this is. Uh, I, I assume you've listened to the top ten reasons you shouldn't become an airline pilot. And I guess you... I did. I did. I was doing my homework on the drive home last night uh, after I returned from work, actually. And uh, as you'd asked me to be a guest on this show, I'm like, you know what? I should probably figure out what the ten reasons I shouldn't be are before we go and talk about the ten reasons that we should. And yeah, um, uh, looks like it's going to be actually a pretty fun conversation. You know, the uh, it's interesting because out of those top 10 reasons I've had some, some – not to become an airline pilot, I've had some feedback. Is is there anything you wanted to add to those top 10 reasons not to become an airline pilot? Uh, you know, I think you pretty much highlighted all the common things that I generally hear and, and some of the uh, – not to say that, uh, you know, I haven't felt one or two of those issues from time to time, but uh, you've pretty much qualified all of the – you know, the top 10 reasons right there. And there's there's nothing particular that I would have added to the list. Good, good. You know, and, and just for, so our listeners know, we both are airline captains and and we really enjoy flying. And we're going to talk a little bit about why you should become an airline pilot. And you'll hear some of these things and uh, from many different people. But let's, let's really nail these down. These are the top 10 reasons we came up with from both myself, Len, and also from some of the listeners that have uh, written in. Uh, these are the top 10 reasons that they've told us uh, that they wanted to be an airline pilot and or are an airline pilot and this is the reason they are airline pilots so let's get started it's a list of 10 and uh, the first one is this it's visiting interesting destinations while being paid and that's number one and i tell you that is actually in and the reason it's at the top of the list because that's mine and that's also uh, uh, most of the other folks that have written in have said that you actually get paid 
to go to some pretty cool places and, and visit those places and visit while you're there. You can go out and run around and enjoy many different things like museums, beaches, resorts, and that type of thing. And, you know, some one of the coolest things that, that I got to do on an overnight, this, this is just so fortunate, is that I, I went down to Washington, D.C., and I'm, I'm, I went to, you know, the, the mall there where all the museums are, the Smithsonian, and I saw this big rows and rows of porta potties. Now, now I didn't go to visit the porta potties. Don't get me wrong. I saw all these older folks with, with shirts on and realized that they were dedicating the World War II memorial the day I happened to be there. And, you know, if I didn't get out and look around, I, I probably would not have seen that. And it was a, just a truly serendipitous tra- type of an event, but it was, it was wonderful. And, and Len, how about you is, uh, is, as far as number one? Do you agree with that one? I do, yeah. There's, uh, there's a few destinations that we've been to that have been exciting for me uh, di- for different reasons. There's some old, I, you know, one of the things that you did touch upon that, that I've done, you know, we went to, when we had an overnight in Dayton, the, um, there's a, the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is nearby, and there's a wonderful museum there with all kinds of aviation memorabilia and tons of aircraft, static aircraft on display. Uh, another favorite of mine is Quebec City. When you go up to the old fortified part of town, it's just got an amazing food, amazing culture. I've done some salsa dancing up there on an overnight. And, you know, there's other places, too, where sometimes you end up in a town or a city where your friends or family live and you get to, you know, you get to spend time with friends and family that you may not see at other times. I've even had New Year's on the road uh, with friends, um, you know, in Baltimore. So it's definitely a cool opportunity to go places and see things. And I highly, you know, recommend, like Carl said, if you're going somewhere and you've got time to see something, take advantage of it. A lot of places, uh, you know, might have a bike for uh, bikes to rent and you could check out the area. I've gone jogging up and down the river in Moncton, um, New Brunswick, uh, all over the place. So, you, you know, you just get an opportunity to see a really diverse uh, amount of uh, cities and do extra activities. In fact, Carl, I just happened to, a couple of months ago, cross off the 49th state off of my list, and I only have one left to visit. And wow. that's pretty much primarily because of this job and because of my, fl- you know, my love for flying. Can I ask you what the last one is? It is, uh, it's actually Oregon. Yeah, I oh, have not wow. been to Oregon yet. Wow. <clears throat> That that's pretty cool, and uh, so you're going to go out there, I assume, on some trips one day and try to get get to that destination. Well, you know, I've had a chance to meet some folks uh, through social media, and and I've got some new contacts up there. So yeah, I look forward to the opportunity to get out to Oregon and actually do a little bit of flying. And one one friend owns a Kit Fox, and another one owns um, another type of Piper. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I look forward to it. It's going to be neat. You know what? Listening to you talk about the different places that you visited, and I've been to a few of those. the The neat thing is visiting friends while you're there too, mm-hmm. and that is really awesome. I actually try to plan my trips to visit friends and family on overnights, and I had a I had an overnight in Denver, and I actually got to see my cousin on an overnight. Another reason, I mean, you, you get to visit interesting destinations, and you're paid to do it. Mm-hmm. You're on an overnight, and that that's real cool that you you've been able to take advantage of it. But I want to see the visit video of you uh, salsa dancing, salsa <laughs> dancing <laughs> till three a.m. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely no video of that, but it was uh, that was probably one of my more enjoyable evenings out. Uh, you know, being paid to uh, to go dancing, yeah, it was a great time. And that's I think that's the coolest one of the 
it is the coolest thing about this job is visiting uh, all these really cool places other than the flying, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it brings back a memory. Uh, I don't know if you remember this uh, one Thanksgiving, Len. I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about that? Where, sure, where, why not? Where, where yeah. were we? I, I, I want to say it was uh, Midland, Odessa. I think you're right. Midland, Odessa, Texas. Texas, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And we, you know, I, I'm kind of known to, to know where to go in different places in cities because that's all I do is go out and travel. I, I think I spend most of my money traveling while I'm on overnights. And and, and you kind of you, you put me to task on this to find a place to uh, to actually eat on Thanksgiving. That's right. It was Thanksgiving, and <laughs> well, that that was an interesting overnight where we actually got to visit this this town. Midland is an interesting little town. And uh, what how, where did we wind up? I think it was like a Luby's or something like that. Something but, along those lines. It turns out that uh, we we thought you know Thanksgiving Day there's probably going to be a couple of opportunities to get a holiday meal. Uh, and it turns out, yeah, the only thing we could find that day was um, it was sort of a, a buffet-style type of restaurant. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun because we were kind of wandering around for a while, wondering why everything was closed, thinking, geez, we're not going to get our turkey today. But, you know, that was really cool because that actually got to, to interact with some of the locals there and, and see what they do on, on Thanksgiving. So That's I, right. I kind of enjoyed that there. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It, was, it was a good holiday on the road. So uh, moving on to number two, as far as our top ten list is concerned, why you should become an airline pilot. Number two, your office has one of the best views in the world. And I tell you, there's nothing like seeing the sunrise from 37,000 feet. And uh, it's just absolutely amazing. And some of the places that we climb out of while we're, we're taking off to see some of the most beautiful cities in the world and and to see them from a vantage point that – most people will never get to see except in pictures is is that office view is amazing it's not sitting in a cubicle at all it's actually looking out at the world and uh i know len you you've had some pretty amazing photographs out the front of uh some of the little planes you've flown especially in in alaska i think that's ter- pretty terrific yeah uh and you know it's funny because even when i sit in the back uh you know because we 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 get uh, part of our job is sometimes riding as a passenger to deadhead from point to point, you know, to operate a flight for the airline. And it's funny, Carl, and I'm sure that you've kind of have the same realization. But you're sitting there, maybe in a window seat, and you're straining your neck, and you're looking out this little peephole of a window, trying to get a view of you know what's going on in the ground below you. And then you get off that plane and you get on the flight that you're going to operate and you have this 100 and, you know, 60, 170 degree field of view out the nose. And it's it's a completely different perspective uh, for those, you know, for your listeners that may or may not actually be pr- uh, pilots in the in the sense, uh, you know, as a hobby, even um, just the there's nothing like that view out of the front window. It it. It doesn't compare to to that little glimpse you get out of the porthole when you're sitting in that window seat, and it's just absolutely amazing. Especially, you know, one of my actual favorite all time views is flying into New York City. And every time I fly into New York, the view never gets old. Whether it's day, night, uh, you know, cloudy or sunny, it doesn't matter. It's always, no matter what, it's always a breathtaking, spectacular view. And for some reason, there's no other city that I've flown into that gives me that feeling like New York does. But it's, 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 it's absolutely breathtaking. 
You know, it's it, bringing up New York City. It, it brings back memories. Every time I fly and I land in Newark Airport, I love to look out the left window when I'm landing because as you pass, you can see all the rows of the streets. You know, the, I guess those would be the, the street numbers and all. As you pass by, one of the neatest views is looking down the street at Times Square at night while you're landing. And Absolutely. I, just, I love that view. And every time I land at night, I like to, I can pretty much, I know where it is. So I can look out the left window and, and look to the left and see Times Square. And I uh, can't see the people, but you sure can see the lights. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, bringing up the, the neatest things that you, you see from up there. Two things that I think were the, the coolest things that I've seen in the air. Number one is uh, the northern lights or Aurora Borealis. And those are, you know, the greenish, mainly greenish, little bluish tinged lights in the northern hemisphere that you'll see while you're flying absolutely amazing and i think the other thing that i i think is the most amazing is on a truly clear day when you can see hundreds of miles is seeing the curvature of the earth and that is is absolutely just amazing to see mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. those those are the cool things and, and you know we talk about the view from our office window where again you know we're, we're a lot of people have nice views outside their window like right now i'm looking at a nice pond etc and uh but but you know what our our view is constantly changing and constantly moving it's it's almost like a movie set it just kind of unravels in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes unraveling it does <laughs> and, you know it's funny you, you touched upon being able to sometimes see so far you can see the curvature of the earth and it was just a couple of days ago we were flying up the uh, eastern seaboard and we were um, just around the just passing uh, Washington DC off of the right uh, DC was off my left side so we were to the right of that and uh, the the first officer I was flying with hadn't been up in the northeast too much and I was you know I was like check out DC's off to your left there's Philadelphia up off the nose and all the way out there you can see New York he's like how do you see New York I was like well you know I was exp- I was explaining him some of the terrain and you- you've flown into New York but the lights there in Port Newark are so distinct <laughs> that once you've been in there a few times and you recognize them you can literally you know where New York uh you know where the New York City area is from hundreds of miles away Oh yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That it, and it's funny how some cities you get to know those certain landmarks and what right. the lights are, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm over DC and I'm like, see New York up there. He's like, what? What? How do you see that? I'm like, okay, so I explained it to him, but yeah, it's 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 amazing view. Oh, you know, it's funny you brought up D.C. That's another incredible view is landing in D.C. and looking out the left window as you're landing to the south mm-hmm. and you're passing by the Washington Monument and it's right out your window. Uh, you can't get that view anywhere else. You can't do that as a private pilot. You, 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 the only way you're going to see that is actually from from an airliner because that's the only people that can fly in there right, right now. Right. And that, that's an, uh, just an amazing view there too. So there's number two. Your office has one of the best views in the world, and it, it truly does. Uh, moving on to number three, uh, the third reason you should become an airline pilot, you have many days off. Now this is one of the most appealing things to people is all the days off you get and and you know what? If you can get a schedule, say you're fairly senior, a lot of times you can get 15 days off a month. Now, those days may not be in a row, but you might say, for instance, I'll give you my schedule this month. I work Friday through Sunday, and I'm off Monday through Thursday. And as a matter of fact, I go into work Friday night. So I have all day Friday off also. So basically, Monday through Friday, I'm off for all day. And that's an incredible schedule. The thing is, though, now, when you say you have many days off, you have to – one thing I have to say is that a lot of people choose to commute 
But if you don't commute and you get out of work and you just drive home, that you have all that time to yourself. Now, by commuting, just uh, so to explain, some people don't understand, uh, commuting an airline means that you may live in a different city or a different country even. And when you're done with your trip, you get on an airplane and you fly somewhere. I'm a thousand miles from where I work. So I have to get up in the morning and go to the airport early, fly to where I work, and then start my trip. And then when I'm done, I have to fly home. So sometimes I spend a little time en route, but other times if my schedule is really good, I can actually commute up the same day I go to work, commute back home, and I may just be gone for two nights in a week and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having all those days off is, is pretty terrific. Now, now, how about you, Len? I knew you've had some experience with a lot of days off and now you're looking at the other spectrum, right? The now. other spectrum, yeah. You know, when I was a uh, senior first officer, I, I was uh, – every now and then I get – blessed with a schedule that had 18 days off a month. And so, you know, what that equates to is you're basically working 12 days out of the month. And why does that sound so appealing? Well, if you think of, say, for instance, the, I don't want to call it conventional, but, you know, a a job that has you working like from Monday through Friday, maybe nine to five, any given month, you're working 20 days and you have eight off. And the interesting thing with an airline schedule, uh, like you said, Carl, as I decided uh, to go ahead and pursue the captain and my schedule has changed a, a little bit, even now, even though I don't have 18 days off, my minimum days off are between 10 and 11 days off a month. That's just a minimum. I mean, I'm already, uh, this month, I'm only working 16 days. So I have like 14 or 15 days off in the month of December. So you're looking at that and... um it's it gives you an opportunity to do i mean look at us we, we you are the uh the host of aviation careers podcast and we also do another podcast stuck my gavcast you know some of us have rental properties some of us have side businesses so the days off are just absolutely uh you know a blessing in disguise because again you know the average person really only has 8 off in a month and my worst month i get 10 i already have more days off uh what i really like though carl is you know working for three or four days and then having three or four days off. A nice three-day weekend really says a lot. Uh, it, it gives you the time to unwind for sure. It gives you two Saturdays, one Saturday to screw off, one Saturday to do something, and then Sunday to uh, prepare for work again. So it's it's great. I really enjoy it. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people have normal jobs or I don't know if I should say that, a nine-to-five job Monday through Friday. Right. They actually will well, say they want to go somewhere. They have to leave on Friday night and come back on Sunday night. You can actually go somewhere, spend a whole day going there, spend the entire day off in that destination, and then fly back. And and, and just as an example, and I think you've done this, is that you can go to the airport. Say you have three days off. One day you fly, say, to Europe, hang out in Europe for a whole day, and then on the third day fly back. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you've done that, right? Actually, I I don't want to say I'm the king of that, but I definitely have gone to Europe for the weekend uh, on more than a dozen occasions, and it's exactly like that. You know, I'll finish. If we're talking about, say, for instance, real quickly, the four-day schedule, if I get done work on the fourth day by four or five o'clock in the afternoon, I can catch a flight that night to Europe, and I can be in Europe the next morning around eight o'clock in the morning. I'll usually take a nap, sleep till the afternoon. And I'll go out all that day, and then I'll have the second day to go out and see the area. And then on the third day, I'll fly back, and you get back to the you know the U.S. mid-afternoon. You get home, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning and go to work. So, yeah, it's 
if you've got three days off in this business, you can go to Europe for three days and have the time of your life. And I, I, you know, like I've done it over a dozen times now in all kinds of different places. And it's one of my most favorite things to do, especially when somebody's like, you went where for the weekend? (laughs) What? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) It's your own personal jet, basically. Pretty much. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny you bring that up, but, you know, all having all those days off is just absolutely Incredible, you know, and and just traveling, and and we're going to get to that in a minute. But the uh, just remembering some of the days off I've had. I'm one of these guys in college who would just on a weekend say, "Hey, road trip," you know. And, and the road trip in college was say going from where I was going to school in Scranton to to I don't know uh, like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to see the Amish or or down to see my brother in school, and and you know this gives a whole new. Uh, meaning to the word of road trip. Instead of saying I'm in New York and saying road trip and I'm going to somewhere in Pennsylvania, now I'm going to say Vegas. Hey, let's go to Vegas for the night. Flying out to <laughs> Vegas, go gamble, get rid of all my money and come back and have to work you know, a few <laughs> extra trips. <laughs> so it is, it is a different world. And having those days off enables you to do that. As a matter of fact, and, and this is something that my, my girlfriend had to get used to. When I first started, one of the things as an airline pilot you can do as far as the days off are concerned, you can actually get rid of your days that you're working and give them to other people to work so that they can make some extra money. And uh, I was doing that quite a bit. And I was, <laughs> I shouldn't admit this, but I, I was getting 20 to 25 days off a month. <laughs> and I was having a blast. Did that for about a year and a half. And then I had to get serious about work again so that was the one then he was broke and he's then like, i was broken I <laughs> gosh i gotta go to work <laughs> you know speaking of anywhere in the world you know and that comes that's our fourth item actually right, on the list right. is that one of the reasons you should become a, an airline pilot number four is you can live anywhere in the world anywhere in the united states but anywhere in the world and there are people that i know that commute to europe and uh, mm-hmm. that's a little bit tough but it's it's doable if you have the schedule, you know, I live in Florida and I work in New York or New Jersey and I just get up and I go there and I'm I'm on the beach with my toes in the sand in the morning and then I'm at work in the afternoon up in New York City in the snow. So that, that it's a big difference sometimes. How about you, Len? You actually live somewhere else, right? Or uh, I used to live somewhere else um, and I most recently moved closer to work. I'm an hour from work now and I kind of do the reverse thing. I start my uh, my morning with my feet in the snow and generally and it uh, with my feet in the sand somewhere. Um, but the, you know, living anywhere in the world, I've, uh, like you said, I've known some people who commute from Europe to, uh, to the United States for their job. There's um, folks that commute from the West Coast to the East Coast to fly international trips for uh, other airlines. There's folks that commute from Hawaii. There was, I have a friend of mine who used to commute from Florida to California uh, to do, uh, in, to, to go to work. Um, and again, you know, when I was saying earlier, somebody looks at you cross-eyed when you tell them that you're you're in Europe for the weekend, and they if they ever at I don't know if you've got this look on on their faces, Carl, and they ask you, oh, so you you know where do you work? You're like, oh, I work in New York, but you but you live in Florida. Yeah, you know, I I go up there a couple of times a week to go to work, and they, they again they're kind of confused, like how do you, you know, how do you live here and live there? But the you know, the airline opportunity between uh, free travel and jump seating privileges can get you just about anywhere. I mean, you can live wherever you want. It may take you a long time to get back and forth to work, but you certainly are able to do that. And, you know, on a final note, I two other people I know, one in Alaska, uh, excuse me, not Alaska, I guess uh, one in um, Washington, she works in 
Uh, actually, they're both on the east, the west coast now. So never mind, they have moved. But yeah, you can you can do this job from anywhere. And, and you know, some people like I used to commute from an island, and uh, now I actually commute from an island now, but it's an island with bridges. But the island I used to commute <laughs> from, they have they had a boat. I had to take a boat to get to another island to take a plane to get back to the United States to take another plane to get to uh, where I work. That's actually some pretty crazy commuting. I wouldn't suggest that of most people, uh, but you could actually do it. I mean, it, it's it's something where uh, you could live in an island or maybe have a house in a Caribbean island and, mm-hmm. and go there every so often. The thing with commuting is if you have flights that are direct from where you want to be to where you work, that's the best. I mean, like right now, I could just go up to where I need to work, just run to the airport right now and I'll go and mm-hmm. uh, hardly even have to look at the schedules and I know I can get there. And that's another neat thing. So you can really live anywhere in the world. Uh, speaking of traveling for free, that brings up the, the fifth reason we have here for why you should become an airline pilot is that this is kind of cool. You can and your family can travel for free anywhere in the world. And uh, when I say for free, that means they don't charge you for the ticket. You may have to pay some taxes or some, you know, when you go across the border, you may have to pay an immigration tax or, or anything like that. But on my last vacation, I went to, uh, actually, I took a vacation in Long Island, and our total expenses with hotel rooms and everything was like $45. That's nothing. And there was a whole week. Our flights and everything were free. And you can go to Europe. And I, you know, honestly, I don't go to Europe much, but, you know, I'll ask Glenn, uh, you know, when, when we say free, what does that, what does that mean going to Europe? Uh, sure. You know, if you want to ride, um, coach, it's about a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. If you want to try and send business first or first class, it may be as much as three to four hundred dollars. And that's again, just in, uh, in taxes based on the fare. Um, but it's really, you know, it's relatively cheap. I, I would never have been to most of the places I would, you know, I've been, especially international, if I had to pay full fare. Uh, there's uh, one trip in particular that I recall. We flew first class from, um, from Thailand back to Washington, D.C., and I think it cost me about four or $500 when that ticket, if you were to have bought that ticket, it's about an $18,000 ticket to fly that distance first class. Wow. So to experience, uh, you know, the lap of luxury and to go to some pretty exotic destinations for what I would refer to as, you know, minimal expense, uh, next to free, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's def- I mean, it's the, it's the one benefit that I think I know I use continuously, even going back and forth to visit family and friends on my days off, you know, domestically, it doesn't cost us anywhere, or excuse me, anything uh, to get around the United States. So it's, uh, it's a great opportunity, uh, you know, and, and one of those opportunities because of it sort of ties into living anywhere in the world on top of traveling free. Carl, I forgot to mention in living anywhere in the world. I mean, this year I've lived in Virginia, California, New Hampshire, Texas, and Illinois, and just gone back and forth to work, you know, staying with friends, staying with family, sort of done the gypsy lifestyle. So the benefits of living anywhere you want and traveling for free, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that in any other career. Oh, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, that whole gypsy lifestyle is kind of it's appealing to some people. I think to you, I think that's wonderful. It's like, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to stop asking you which state you're in. I just say, hey, Len, what country are you in today? What country? <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, getting back to that traveling free, a little explanation here. When you're a pilot, you can actually do what's called the jump seat, and that jump seat is is free. And we can we have agreements with other airlines. I think our airline has like 130 other airlines where we can sit in the jump seat, say we're traveling by ourselves, and we can do that for free. Also, uh, some airlines have what they call vacation passes where – you can actually travel first class for free a certain number of times in a year, and people save those, and they can use those to go to, like, Europe in first class or, or somewhere they want to go on vacation. They'll, they'll book first class. Uh, but, Len, now, you have actually used those, right? You've actually traveled for free, and you've jump-seated. When you're going to these places and you have to pay for them, that's usually a ticket in the back, correct? Uh, that's correct, yeah. And um, the vacation passes um – which, uh, you know, we don't have, I don't think we have access to some of those as much anymore, but say for instance, jump seating actually in my most, one of my most recent vacations, I was traveling with a friend of mine and she got the last seat on the airplane. And if it hadn't been for that cockpit jump seat, I wouldn't have gotten on the plane. So I rode from uh, San Francisco out to Maui in the cockpit jump seat of this, uh, 767, and it, it was a great opportunity because, like I said, I I wouldn't have been able to get on that flight um, otherwise. But uh, it affords you a lot of opportunities of moving around and, and doing things. And to be honest with you, especially when you, let's say, for instance, work for a company that flies a specific type of aircraft, I can't even tell you, Carl, how many different cockpits I've been in from the 727 to the 747, everything in between, the MD-80, all kind, you know, all the different kinds of Airbuses. This is, these are cockpits and flight decks that I would never in my lifetime be able, I mean, cause you know, in, in, in your career, you might fly half a dozen aircraft, but you would probably not, be, you know, have the opportunity to sit and see the operation, um, from so many different vantage points as you do jump seating. And that's one of my favorite things is, is always looking for a new aircraft that I haven't been on yet that I'll get to experience, you know, what's it like, what's it look like, what's it fly like, and, and, and watching, you know, the professionals up front just maneuver this beautiful piece of machinery. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because last night even, I was flying on uh, an Airbus A320, and the the folks in the cockpit, they sat there for like two hours explaining all sorts of different things to me and how things work, that type of thing. So that that's true. I mean, I never would have had that experience if I was just sitting in the back. Uh, one more thing about uh, traveling for free. There's something that I haven't used, and I think you have. It's called uh, zone fares. Not only can we travel on our airline that we work for, we can travel on other airlines because of these agreements where they give us – it's usually about a, a 90% discount from the full right. fare. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can explain to them how that works. You know, What, what does that mean and how does it work? Sure. If, you're, if, the, if your particular airline has one of these uh, – um, it says it's referred to as an ID90 or a Z fare, which is basically what Carl described as you're paying only 10% of the cost of the ticket, and it's generally based on zones, meaning distance from um, you know one one point in the world to another. And it you know my parents used to use them to go from New England to Italy for roughly I think a hundred dollars round trip or a hundred dollars each way. Say say for instance anywhere between a hundred and two hundred dollars, and they could take a flight from Boston to uh you know to Milan and then down to uh down to um 
uh, Sicily for $200 per person round trip. And, you know, why is that important? And that one of you got to look at one of the things is your airline that you may work for isn't going to go everywhere in the world. So this additional benefit of having a Z fare or an ID90 for these these zonal discounts allows you to get to other cities, fly on other airlines to get to you know other destinations around the world. Um, and they they are again they are not free, but they are not by any means expensive. They are you know roughly um, just a few hundred dollars to get uh, to get places. And yeah, and that's uh, that's really cheap. I mean, you couldn't do that any other place. No, you really can't. And that's that's just one. I mean, that's one takeaway here is you will never travel so well and so uh, financially effectively for so cheap as you will taking advantage of you know the benefits, uh, the travel benefits from an airline. Well put. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, while you're traveling, our number six reason that you should become an airline pilot is you get to meet some really diverse people and that have some incredibly interesting backgrounds. And the people you meet are either on the overnight that uh, you're, you know, you're visiting these countries or the people you're actually flying with. And, you know, some of the one thing that I, I really, really, really like about this job is that I love to hear people's stories. And uh, I'll just sit there and ask them, you know, where are you from? And and everybody has this incredible story about their background. I get to meet people that used to be business owners and even a dentist and, and a lawyer. And you get to be, uh, meet people that have come from Jamaica and have come from, you know, Italy and, and all these different places in, in the world. And they have some amazing stories and things that you learn things about their countries. You learn things about the states they're from, the cities they're from that you never knew. You might, you know, not know that there's certain manufacturers that used to be in certain cities, like up in uh, even Rochester, New York with, you know, Kodak. And, and it's just really interesting to hear those those stories. And on an overnight, you get to meet these interesting people. The One of the my favorite overnights is when I went to a little town. It's in Lyon, uh, outside of Lyon. It's called Guanajuato. And the people there are just so friendly. And it's in this area where they do a lot of clay pottery. Well, during that overnight, this young girl comes up to me and she asks me, do you want me to show you around? And I said, sure. So the whole crew, we all went with this girl and she showed us her city. She was so proud of her city and proud of the fact that her father was one of the people that made this clay pottery. And she actually took us to her house and showed us where her dad made this pottery. So I never would have experienced that unless I was there for work. And and it's just, that was one of the, the best experiences I've ever had. And and then to this day, every so often, I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with those folks. And that's one of the neatest things, the people on the overnights and the people you work with. Yeah, I agree. Everybody, I mean, I want to say, I feel like I meet more unique people at work. You know, coming from different careers, this is their second career, their third career. Some people have done all kinds of things and gotten into aviation late in their life and, you know, it's really interesting to see what are they doing and tying into not only meeting these folks from diverse and interesting backgrounds, but you get to learn about you know, where they've traveled, where do they live, how many days, you know, what are they doing with those days off? Some, like I said earlier, people are running businesses. You know, they have car dealerships, they have rental properties, they have this, they have that. It's absolutely amazing to see the the you know the different opportunities out there that you can you can utilize because when you look at you know at the end of the day when you look at it you're gonna you're only working about half of the month 
Uh, so it, what does that work out, Carl? If you're only working half of the month, so that really means you're only working about six months out of the year. Right. <laughs> and then less uh, if you have vacation. If the vacation, that. exactly. Gosh, if I actually calculated in my prime how many days I worked, uh, you know, in a year, it would probably um, it would probably make people frown at me, going, "Well, you have nothing to complain about." But um, yeah, you know, just you can not only the folks at work, but you know, you you end up somewhere at a hotel or you're traveling for fun and you're sitting down and you're having a you know, having a drink with somebody from completely opposite side of the world. Um, and it's just, you know what? There's nothing like it. There's just so many great opportunities that uh, that the airlines offer for uh, for all these things we've been talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, like you said, that just meeting these people and, and getting out there, they, you know, the, one of the things that, that I've always thought about over the years is, what what's the most interesting person I've met like at work and and you know I had a tough time with that I I I can't there are so many interesting people it's hard to say there's just one and uh, you know I, I there's a gentleman that I work with who's getting his master's in history and in uh, European history and that's something I'm very interested in and I started discussing that with that person and then someone else who's into coin collecting and someone else who's into warbirds and. And you know it just goes on and on and on. I, you know, Len, is there is there one person you can think of that is most interesting to you? Uh, you know, like Len, I, I, to me, you, Len, that's it. You, <laughs> you, you're you're the most interesting person I've been with. It's because of my gypsy lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think, you know, where, gosh, where are you now? How did you get there? Do you ever stop moving? Um, you know. Now, to tell you the truth and not to mimic what you said, but the reality is there really are no just one person. I mean, every every week you fly with, you know, probably uh, two to four different people and which I want to actually make a point, even though you work with, uh, you know, uh, it, within this company, I'll be honest with you, Carl, I very rarely see or fly with the same person twice. And I've been here for seven years and I'm still meeting new people. Oh, that you know that's a great point, Lynn. You know that that's something that. Gosh, I wish I brought that up early. The the uh, you meet all these interesting people, but you know you don't usually fly with them more than once. Every so yeah. often you will, uh, but you you uh, like. Gosh, I think I've flown with the same person maybe five times in ten years. Mm-hmm. You know that type of thing. So uh, you might see them once every couple of years, and that's about it. Yeah. But but with that said, there are people that bid trips together. You know, and they actually get to fly together. Uh, uh, for a month, so that's kind of interesting too how they can do mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. uh, but moving on to our next uh, next item here, uh, number seven as to why you should become an airline pi- pilot, and this is actually what most people think of right off the bat is the good pay and the benefits. We do get great benefits, and the pay is pretty good. Uh, you know, you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they say the median income from an airline pilot is one hundred thirty thousand a year. Now that's pretty darn good. That's well above what the median is for an average individual in the United States. But uh, one of the things that you have to think about when you when you look at those numbers is that uh, you, you got to look. It's going to take you a little while to get to that point, and it could take you five, ten years. But you have a long time of making a good living. But don't expect to make that kind of money right away. I really want to stress that. I know we make good money, but uh, just to, to nail this home. My third year with the airline, I made $16,000 a year. That was after three years. So it can take a while. That was only, you know, a decade ago. So it could take a while to make that money, but we do make a good living. 
primarily when we talk about a really good living, we're talking about the left seat captain, and we're thinking we're talking about a captain in in a major airline. You know, the guy in the left or the guy gal in the left seat making you know one hundred thirty to two hundred thousand a year, as opposed to the person in the right seat that's making you know maybe about sixty percent of that. Mm-hmm. So you do make good money now, Len. Uh, it's a, you're a great example. You went from being a first officer mm-hmm. and to a captain. Now you've seen that jump uh, in your pay. Yeah, it was um, I think like a seventy percent pay increase, um, seventy or eighty percent pay increase. It nearly nearly doubled overnight just from making that transition from first officer uh, to captain, and rightly so with all the new responsibility that it does come with. Uh, but it does, it does, uh, it does afford you good pay and benefits. Uh, we already talked about some of the free travel, and actually, every one of these things we've talked about uh, so far, up numbers one, um, numbers one through six, I would qualify as benefits, uh, you know, to to this job. Uh, and the pay is is good. And if you actually kind of check back to my last comment, if you working about half of the month, which equates to working roughly six months out of the year, and then you look at it, okay, so Carl, on your third year, you made six. $16,000, but you only work six months, you know? Right, that's but true. Put that in perspective. Yeah, put that in perspective, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, the, the pay is getting better now. It's just that you, it will yeah. take a little while to get there to, to make right. good money. Uh, so yeah, good pay, good benefits. Uh, and the other neat thing is that you don't have to, as a matter of fact, that's the next point. Uh, number eight on our list of why you should be an airline pilot is there's really not that much in, as far as office politics. There really is none. Uh, since you don't really have an office at work and you're only working with your crew, you may have the little politics that might go on while you're on a trip, that type of thing, But and things that are going on with the company. I tend to try to not get too involved with that, but uh, you really don't have that politics that, that you have in a – because I've worked in a, in a corporate environment where you have in that, that corporate environment. Uh, would you agree with that, Len? Absolutely. This is the kind of job um, – where you don't even you know speaking of no politics no office politics but you you virtually don't have a boss i mean you have to you have your own boss you have to be a self starter a self motivator you have to be able to you know sit down and do the task without with very little oversight or management on on your behalf now if you're a first officer you know you kind of answer to the captain but i don't really put that in perspective you know you guys kind of work together as a team, so you're not necessarily answering to. And then, you know, you vert, like I said, you virtually have no boss um, unless you get yourself in trouble and then, you, you know, you find yourself talking to somebody in management. But other than that, it's, uh, it's a pretty, um, pretty laid back type of job where uh, there's not a, you know, there's not a lot of hassle, not a lot involved in other than showing up, flying an airplane, going to the hotel and trying to enjoy yourself with the company or your crew. And and that's a great point. You try not to know your chief pilot. Hopefully, meet them on the first day and the last day. You know, that's that right. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to have known you. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's number eight. No office politics. I think that's terrific. And and to go with that, our number nine reason you should become an airline pilot is that on your days off, there's no phoning into the office. You rarely have to do things unless there's some training on the computer you might have to do, but you rarely have to call into the office. I've called into the office in the past couple of years, maybe. three three times. And it, it had to do with, say, something that happened at work where they wanted to follow up. 
But uh, normally, especially as a first officer, you're not the one getting the call. The captain's mm-hmm. usually getting the call. If something happens, they call the captain and say, hey, why did the plane go out late? You know, what happened with this flight? You know, and that, that type of thing. Why was this passenger thrown off, et cetera? But for, for the most part, you – gosh, I mean, when was the last time you called the office, Len? <laughs> well, uh, probably – yeah, I would I would say if I could remember maybe once or twice and it's funny cuz I almost spoiled this a moment ago when we were talking about number 8 no office politics but it really pertains to number 9 here no phoning into the office and that is this is the kind of work that does let's just say 98% of the time does not come home with you at night. As soon as you walk away from that aircraft um that's it. You know, you don't have to worry about the airplane. You don't necessarily even have to worry about work. When I'm on my way to the hotel, I'm thinking, you know, where am I going to grab a bite to eat? What's near there for activities? What, you know, what's, what's going on? And I'm not necessarily, like you said, there's a few things. Maybe there's uh, some recurrent training modules to do on the computer, or maybe there is an occasional phone call to follow up on, you know, what, whether it was a maintenance issue or some other issue. But, uh, the the overwhelming majority of the time you are not taking work home with you at the end of the night not on your days off and and not even necessarily on you know when you go into the hotel on your layover at work yeah and that's that's the other, yeah you shut the plane down you turn off the beacon you're gone and you're, you're gone yeah you're done you're done for the day you just have to figure out how to get to the hotel and get the that's van right. there you know and that's it so yeah that that's a wonderful thing not not phoning in or not having to deal with the because I see people. You know, I think a lot of people are like that, where they have to call the office all the time. Uh, I know my girlfriend does. My brother does. He's always calling to, into the office. He's bringing mm-hmm. work home with him and having to talk sure. to them, that type of thing. So you, you really don't have that as an airline pilot. You just operate the flight. You do it safely, and you're done. Right. Now, let's let's get on to one of the nitty-gritty things, and this this gets down to the flying part because, you know what? We're pilots. We love to fly. One of the, the, the tenth reason that, that's on this list here as far as why you should become an, an airline pilot, is you get to fly into some really challenging weather situations and and terrain. And, you know, this past week kind of, you know, nailed this home for me in that I got to fly in some really bad weather. And I was thinking while I was flying in that weather, I would never do this in a small airplane that I that I go out and rent. You know, I would never go in this kind of weather. But it's kind of cool because I do get to see this. For instance, one of the days I was taking off and the the top of the layer was at 400 feet, and which means that it was really down. It was what we call a cat two uh, approach into that area. We could we could actually get down to 100 feet above the ground and land. And uh, that's pretty neat. When you're flying in and you do an approach and you do it well, and all of a sudden you break out, it's like, wow, this this magic really does work. You know, the the, the all the all the autopilot works and and the and the actual instrumentation works. Uh, flying in weather, that's a challenge, and that's something that uh, you know, if you're into the challenges, you'll get them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fronts out there, especially in the in the summer. You got to fly around some pretty interesting stuff out there, uh, and some pretty big stuff. And you have to make some decisions. You know, this is when you know you have to do that piloting stuff, and you have to say to yourself, "Can I make it through this?" And and then you have to take terrain into consideration, especially in a lot of the places like <laughs> Len and I fly down in Mexico. You know, it's it's incredible. You know that type of stuff. And and Len's laughing. You know, <laughs> I am laughing because you want to talk about flying in challenging weather and terrain. You know, and you've got, for instance. Um, in-flight icing, uh, you've got snow, gusty winds, wind shear, mountainous terrain, and go-around. And all of that, Carl, was on one flight. 
Now that's that's okay. an interesting day to say the least. That was an interesting day. But you are absolutely right. If it wasn't for uh if it wasn't for the airlines, I would probably never have experienced three quarters of the flying conditions that I have, whether it's flying in blizzards and snow, low um low instrument conditions. You mentioned a category two ILS, which gets us down to a hundred feet above touchdown zone elevation above the ground. You're not going to do that in a general aviation aircraft. You're not necessarily going to be flying uh, around thunderstorms or into blizzard conditions and icy conditions in a general aviation aircraft. Why can we do it? Because our aircraft are equipped to do so. And of course, there's some decisions that revolve around it, whether or not it truly is safe. You know, if the runway has no braking action, you're not necessarily going to be flying to that airport. But on a day-to-day basis, if it hadn't been for this opportunity, this flying opportunity here at the airline, I would never experience so much diversity in weather and terrain and decision-making. And, you know, I wouldn't be Here's another thing. You talked about it actually on the 10 reasons, not, uh, you know, long days, but you wouldn't be at the end of a 14, 15 hour day doing a um, a full procedure ILS flying outbound and back inbound in mountainous terrain at night at three o'clock in the morning with no radar control unless you were delayed as an airline pilot. So, you know, those kinds of things are really push the limits of the experiences and and it's just it's it truly is things that I would have never I would never got the opportunity to do in a general aviation aircraft. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, boy. That that's so true. You, know, you never would have done those. You know the other thing we probably should add to this, and I, I really didn't want to put this on the list because it, it is a challenge is is dealing with not just the flying the in the weather and the train, but but emergencies. You know we have right. them every so often, and when you actually. After the emergency's done, maybe a week later, and you think about, gee, I did a, you know, you look back, hey, I did a great job on that, and as a team, we did a great job. Uh, that actually is very rewarding, especially when the people come off the plane and say to you, you know, that, you know, thanks for keeping us safe. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. So there, there's another thing to go along with that list. But, uh, you know, Len, that, that's the, the top 10 reasons we have from the listeners and from myself and from you and, and uh, of why you should become an airline pilot. And, you know, I'm glad we started with why you should not become an airline pilot in, in Aviation Careers podcast. But the, uh, the reasons you should, they're, they're, these are the top 10. There's other reasons, but, but these are really the top 10 lists in our minds and, and, you know, Len, it's been great having you come along and, and sharing all your experiences as far as why you should become an airline pilot and what you've done as an airline pilot here. The uh, Is there anything else you think we can add to this list, uh, just something that stands out? Uh, something that stands out. Well, that's an interesting question. You know, to be honest with you, these with these these are the 10 highlights but these are these are the reasons i look forward to uh going to work these are the reasons i wake up excited to go flying and even though some days it may be monotonous going from here to there back and forth you know you're doing five flights to places you don't really care about it's the excitement of never really you know you you hear you hear people ask a police officer oh you know traffic stops must be routine. And they're like, there's nothing routine about a traffic stop. Well, there's nothing routine about a flight. Uh, no two flights are alike, even with the same crew and the same aircraft and the same weather conditions. Every, you know, every minute of every flight is a different, diverse experience and opportunity to make a decision and see what that outcome is going to be. And, and ultimately, that's what I look forward to is what, uh, you know, what is the world offering me today? And uh, what am I going to be faced with? What challenges will I have to deal with and conquer and overcome? 
And I think that's a great point, Lynn, because that's the way I describe being a pilot in general. It's just uh, you know a series of decisions that you're going to make, and uh, and then dealing with those consequences, and then making more decisions. It's just a whole stream of of decision making in in the process there. Well, Lynn, uh, you know, again, I appreciate your coming here today and, and talking to us. And you know, one of the things I, I'd like to do is if anybody has questions for Lynn, anything Lynn has said or I have said, you know, please uh, get in touch with us. They can uh, get in touch with us directly here at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can go to the contact page, and that's a simple way to do it. But you you can also, if you could, look at the website. We've redesigned the top of it. We have a, some cool ways of, of uh, contacting us with the subscribe buttons. We have all those at the top of the screen, uh, and also Facebook and Twitter. So if you want to find us on Facebook and Twitter, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on those. But, Len, you know, the, uh, how would they get in touch with you, and what? Uh, and maybe tell us a little bit about uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. Well, sure, absolutely. The um, as your, some of your listeners may have heard previously, um, the Stuck Mike Avcast. As uh, you are actually one of our co-hosts over there, but the Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. And what we do is we have two airline captains, myself and Carl. We have a commercial um, GA pilot and a private GA pilot, and it's it just gives us a diverse group of individuals to sit down and talk about varied aviation topics from a whole range of experience, from folks with a couple hundred hours to seven thousand hours, and all you know all the different things in between. So. We're available over at stuckmikeavcast.com, uh, also stuckmikeavcast on Twitter and Facebook. And if your listeners are want to, you know, looking to get in touch with me directly, the best method is actually on Twitter and my name over there is at Len Costa. Um, so that's a little bit about the, you know, about the podcast. I, I know we've had some, uh, you know, some, some crossover between our shows, but, uh, it's, it's definitely another sort of, destination for keeping current uh, with current events and and just flying technique and that kind of stuff and and you know we've had a lot of good feedback over there so hopefully uh, some of your listeners check us out there yeah, and I, I highly recommend it to my listeners. If if you're thinking of flying, I know we do aviation careers here, and we talk about uh, flight attendants, and we talk about engineers, we talk about mechanics, that type of thing. But uh, for those of, of you listening that want to become pilots, I think it's a great thing to listen to because it it doesn't talk about airline pilots and the and working as a pilot it's primarily about having fun we do talk about those things every so often but it's about enjoying that aviation lifestyle and that's right and i think that it's it's one of the I, it's one of my favorite shows not just because i'm on it but it, because we we have such a diverse uh background of people that have been hosts and uh people have come on and helped out with the show and the people we've interviewed and I, I really recommend it for anybody who's in aviation as a career, too, because you know what it does? It, it's done for me, and it does for a lot of people. Is it brings you back to the roots of aviation, and that's general aviation flying and actually stick and rudder flying. I, I think a lot of people would really, really could appreciate that. So that's, that's easy to find at uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. And, of course, you can ask questions there. Uh, of the folks about flying, but uh, also about careers, you know, just right here, aviationcareerspodcast.com. They can find uh, me on in this episode. It's easy to find at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 26. And again, Len, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, and if you don't mind, uh, if I have some questions, can I forward them on to you? Absolutely. And uh, once again, it was a real pleasure being on the show with you again today. And, and thanks again for having me. 
Well, thanks, Len. And, and uh, folks, remember to, to keep your eyes focused on your goal. And if, if you want to be an airline pilot, uh, these are some good reasons. I'd also suggest you go back and listen to the 10 reasons why you should not become an airline pilot. And all those uh, links will be in the show notes for this show. And, you know, just keep focused on that dream and don't let anybody steal your dream. And we'll talk to you next time and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.